0: I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and today I have Lisa Kelly joining me. Lisa is a mentor in the art of living your dreams with certification under Gabby Bernstein and Mike Dooley. Lisa finds joy in inspiring others to find the courage to make the inner changes necessary for external transformation. With a focus on mindset, spiritual health, and accountability, she loves helping people understand how powerful they truly are, harness their infinite potential, and say yes to an extraordinary life. I love all of that. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Sam. I'm, I'm privileged and
0: honored to be here. You have quite a story of overcoming adversity, and I think you share my passion for talking about it because so many others don't yet, and we are trying to make some noise and break some stigma. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, okay, so yeah, just kind of um, just
1: bouncing off of what we were talking about before we hit record, um, how important it is for me now, uh, 15 years after uh, first reaching out for help uh, due to my addiction to alcohol, um, That how important it is for me these days to really smash the stigma around any sort of uh, recovery uh, issues or like afflictions, if you want to call them that, because in my opinion, we're all recovering from something. And I don't think there's anything wrong with with talk. We shouldn't be um, hiding in the shadows, as I had mentioned to you, that I for so long. uh, You know, I I call it, I didn't come out of the closet until I was around 10 years sober. um, Just simply because I felt a lot of shame and I was looking at addiction through the eyes of, of those who don't understand it, I I would guess, or I I was being presumptuous around how I might be judged if I came out about it. So I just kind of kept it, kept it um, on the down low and only told like close, close friends and family about it. Now I'm more like, let's, let's stand on our soapbox and talk about the importance of sharing this sort of thing.
0: Well, I also think that outside of the shame that you live with, there's also the healing that comes with sharing because you connect with others who understand or who need to understand and by keeping our truths inside, we deny ourselves of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I should say that I was in, um, I did do the old school route, the 12 step program Um, from day one, I went to AA and there was lots of sharing and lots of healing and lots of outside help therapists. What I'm really talking about is not, you know, in the corporate world, not sharing it with my coworker or, um, when I left the corporate world and got into entrepreneurship and opened my own, uh, first business, which was teaching children yoga and art. I wasn't talking about it to the parents of the kids. Um, it was actually due to me getting sober that I actually had the, the courage and the new found new lease on life and, and faith. To say, I don't want to be, um, feel so restricted in the corporate world. That's what actually gave me the um, new excitement for life and um, jumping into creating a new business. But at the same time, I wasn't, I wasn't, certainly wasn't shouting it from the
0: rooftops. And I think so many are living that still Mm -hmm. because of the stigmas around, I don't even know at this point, getting help or having a weakness it's it's certainly okay to go in with a broken leg, but these invisible ailments that people don't understand have different meaning attached.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's true, and I mean, although I do find that uh, people are a lot, people have um, certainly opened up a lot more about depression and anxiety, and you know the the prescription, you know, big pharma, uh, the way sales on those types of prescriptions have gone through the roof and even just the last 10 years and people are talking about it more openly that's that's good I mean we need more awareness we need more education and yet I don't know if you know the prescription side of things is really the solution it's more of a band-aid solution and so we're only talking about it to a certain degree and we're not really getting into the self-healing the deeper trauma Um, and but when it comes to addiction that type of um things that people are recovering from a lot of that isn't addressed at all because there is still such misunderstanding about you know there's a a preconceived notion of what an addict um is and um yeah, pe- people who are in recovery, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. And the thing is, when I finally did come out of the closet and I just my way of coming out of the closet around my 10 year uh, anniversary of sobriety was I just announced I put a post on Facebook. And there was a lot of people, who, like I said, who already knew about it. But there was a lot of people that were like, wow, thank you so much for your courage. And then, of course, a lot of people reaching out to me Um, in private messaging and saying, can, can we go to coffee? I'd like to talk to you and find out how you uh, got sober. And it actually made me feel kind of sad that I had kept it to myself for so long because we need to share this so that we can help others who are still
0: in, you know, in their own um, suffering. Absolutely. And I think that that applies to whatever topic that might be. We're currently talking about addiction, but any level of suffering, if you, if you keep it in and you don't share it with your, you just, you're denying yourself and others the opportunity to connect. So would you say you were met mostly with compassion? Yeah.
1: Um, right. Yeah, for sure. Right across the board. And, um, uh, yeah, that those, some of those things that we, or that I, you know, had in my head were just kind of stories that the ego makes up, you know, like, I mean, there, there are, we, we were even in AA, in the rooms of AA, they, they do say, you know, you don't have to announce it to the world straight away. In fact, you know, it may not be in your best interest, depending on where you're working or whatever, to let everybody know, so for, for, for that reason, I kind of kept it quiet. I, and, and you kind of have to gauge it yourself. It is very personal. Um, I think as long as you're surrounding yourself with other people who know what you're going through and you do have the right people to, and the right therapies and the the support that's super important to, to hide on your own, um, s- keeping your, your secrets inside, you know, there's this saying in AA where they say you're only as sick as your secrets, or, you know, you, you even hear that, that other phrase, a problem shared as a problem halved or something. So like, yeah, it, it's so not healthy to, to keep it in.
0: That's for sure. So let's go back 15 years. What was your first step for people, people who might need or want help? Where did you turn first? Okay so I I had been thinking
1: about it for like it is slowly the idea of you know I can't continue the way I'm continue like the way I enjoy my wine I don't know if I can continue uh, drinking in the way I enjoy it because my I had a 2 year old and I was also a single mom and I was a single mom by chance and by choice from his birth So um, I had this like niggling voice that kept coming in saying, how are you going to continue enjoying your uh, fun time uh, the way you enjoy it, the way you want to enjoy it and not have your son grow up seeing you with a glass of wine in your hand the way I did with my mother when I was growing up. And I just couldn't reconcile that because that, that was such a challenging time as a, as a child. And I mean, it, it, it's textbook, right? Like there are so many people who have grown up with alcoholism in their families. And then, you know, they say, Oh, I'm never going to be like my parent. And then they end up being very similar. A lot of them, not, not everybody, but, um, and some people can't break the pattern, but for whatever reason, just one day, I woke up with a hangover. On that particular day, um, it was a weekday morning. I was supposed to be going to work. I was supposed to take my son to daycare before I went to work, and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And and I had known a woman, a friend of mine, who had stopped frequenting, you know, my circle of friends, and we used to go to bars and parties and dinner parties and art openings. And I thought I was, you know, I, I didn't think I was like her. I just knew that she had disappeared from our, our group. And I remember asking, you know, another friend saying, whatever happened to, you know, this friend? And and he said, Oh, she got sober. She stopped drinking. And I was like, Oh, what a bummer. (laughs) I was so (laughs) sad. So it's like the mentality. You just don't want to be hanging out with people that don't drink. Um, so she was the person that I re- uh, actually reached out to. And I had no idea how she'd gotten sober. I, just, I emailed her that morning uh, feeling super hungover and knowing I had to go to work. And I just said, can you please keep this really quiet and confidential? And don't tell anybody, but I'm asking you how did you get sober? And she, and, and do you ha- still have any fun in life? Like, can you still live a life without drinking and actually enjoy life? Cause that I, I just wanted to escape reality all the time. I, I like saying um, alcohol wasn't my problem. Reality was like, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So um, she said, why don't you meet me for coffee? And we met for coffee and uh, at a Starbucks and I'll still never forget like it's a imaged in my memory like a photograph like she pulled this book out of her bag and it was it set on the cover the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and I was just like mortified I, I was very disappointed that that was the way she had gotten sober and that this is the suggestion that she was saying, maybe I might want to check this out. And I was just like, Oh, has it really come to this? Like there is like, I was terrified. I was terrified at the prospect. I didn't really know what AA was. I just knew I didn't want to have anything to do with that. And, um, I only knew what I'd seen on TV and, um, movies. And I knew from, I guess, that media um, that they talked about. And I even said, like, don't they talk about God there? And I was very um, anti-religious. I grew up in an Irish Catholic home. And by the age of 13, my dad, you know, left my mom. He had been having an affair with my mom's best friend, our next door neighbor. So our house hold fell apart and as soon as that happened I knew my dad was a hypocrite about the church and so I boycotted any kind of uh, connection to the catholic church and all religions basically so that day in the cafe when she showed me that book and I associated it with the g g word
0: Mm -hmm. um, which so many people do so I'm so glad you're bringing this up
1: yeah I was I was I was like, I can't do that. Like that—that's not—that's not me. Like, I—I I, I had this perception of what it would be like. And she said, "Okay, well, just just take it anyway. Take the book. I'm not going to push you any anything at all. But just you know, flip through it and see what you think." And I was open enough to doing that, and so I brought it home and i I flipped through it, and it was just so. Foreign, what it was talking about. And it was written in like the early 40s. I think AA uh, came together in 1939. Um, So it did seem a bit uh, dated in its languaging. And I did notice, you know, as I was reading a little bit about the steps, that they did mention God. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to manage that but the thing that kind of kept me interested or hooked i guess you could say is in the back of the book there's a lot of stories short stories written by members who you know they talk about what happened like what it was like for them what happened and what it's like today after uh going through aa and going through the steps and i could identify in almost every story with my own story Um, And I was just like, wow, like, this is too crazy. I can relate to this. Maybe this, maybe there's something here to be said for all of this. And so I think after about a week, I thought about it. And then I said, okay, you know what, I'll go to a meeting with you. And from that point on, I just really had to have an open mind and that's one of the slogans in, in the rooms of AA is uh, they have these slogans at their front. Like they're usually on these little placards and um, you know, keep an open mind is one of them. And I did because I was like, okay, we're going to do things differently. Things feel very disturbing, unsettling, uncomfortable. I'm scared. I am not, I'm, you know, at that point I was still having cravings. So it was I was depressed. Um, it was certainly not an easy it's not easy for anybody who who has an addiction to something to to stop and, and to do something completely surreal and foreign that to t- but, you know,
0: you know, as they say, one day at a time. Um, I think this is really important. You reached out to someone you knew and trusted. That's a very big. And so, somebody listening, if you do that, you might connect with somebody who has an entirely different answer. The point is the connecting with somebody who gets it, and knowing that they're further along, and that they can help you see that that's possible. And then keeping an open mind when you are in pain that is when i think people uh, like how what can it hurt to try this what's the worst thing that can happen so anyone listening we are not asking or suggesting drastic changes but those two things are huge
1: it's so true it, it, it is like what is the worst thing that can happen you can just go back <laughs> i mean i i was just writing uh, recently for a chapter of a book that i'm co-authoring on 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 depression and how Um, geez, I just lost my train of thought. (laughs) Um, something to the effect. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that.
0: Um, I'll have to come back to it. That's okay.
1: Sorry, Sam.
0: No, no problem. I just think people need to understand that it's not, there's no one plan that works for everyone. There's no formula, but find reaching out. Even if it's not somebody who's been through it, but if it's somebody who's more resourceful than you, who can help you with Google or whatever the case may be, you just don't have to navigate the journey yourself, figuring it all out. Somebody can kind of take a little bit of that weight off of your shoulders and say, "I'm here to, you know, what? Where do you need help?"
1: Yeah, it's so true. And I think I think what I was going to say back um, a minute when I lost my train of thought was when we were talking about what, what do you have to lose by asking for help? Like you're in that feeling of discomfort. It is so uncomfortable. It's like, I can't continue doing what I'm doing. And yet the the prospect of doing something so different and so radical can be terrifying that you just want to stay the same, no matter how painful that is. And yet, If you do, you know, in my case, I had an addiction issues. If, if I ever did like want to squash down those thoughts those feelings, of course, I would go to have a drink so that I didn't need to think about it, but, and, and a temporary feeling of a little bit better, but it was temporary and it would just, um, it would just perpetuate the, it just got worse It never got any better. Absolutely.
0: And then you're also disappointed with yourself, which feeds into the depression and the, you know, the, it's not just the addiction, it's bringing you down and making you feel unworthy. And you're not, it's when you need others the most, because we, no one can figure it out all by themselves. It's just not possible. So it doesn't have to be AA or Mm -hmm. NA. Many people do have that preconceived notion. And, and it's, it's not even wrong. It does include God. I, with my clients who have chosen to attempt meetings or, or, and I have some who have gone for years in the beginning, my suggestion was replace the word draft. I don't It doesn't yeah. matter. You just yeah. have to believe that there's something bigger than yourself yeah. to get you through this. Yeah. And we had fun with it that way.
1: Yeah. And that that's exactly what was recommended in the beginning. Like when you get to uh you know step 2 and step 3 that's when they start talking using the word god and they they do say we're not a religious program we're a spiritual program and they they when they mention that whole higher power they talk about finding a higher power um of your own understanding so that made it when i was having an open mind that made it a little easier and like you were saying, they would offer, you know, use the group as your higher power or, you know, good orderly direction, you know, an acronym for, for that. Um, and that was really cool because that's how I was able to get through and, and start feeling better and, and find my journey of recovery. I was able to like interpret it What worked for me, and you know, take what I needed and leave the rest. So there was a lot of things that I didn't really jive with, but I was still like, that doesn't work for me, but this piece does. And I'm getting better and I'm feeling better. So I'm
0: going to keep doing what's working. That's an amazing point. No one, I don't think, would relate to absolutely everything and jive with every single thing yeah. you do not have to adhere to everything you find what helps and yeah. it, and the rest toss it and mm-hmm. it might help someone else so it's mm-hmm. there for a reason but it's not there for you so thank you for pointing that out
1: yeah and i think it's the case with any everybody has their own journey in healing everybody uses their own you know modalities and therapies and it is a holistic, um, healing, whatever healing that we're doing. There's so many different elements. Um, it's not just, you know, physical or emotional or it's the whole, it's mental, spiritual, it's everything. And I, 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 over 15 years and now just like I mentioned, writing this chapter for this book on depression, it was interesting reflecting on all the different, um, things that I have gone through and and found what works and what didn't. And and so yeah, everybody's journey will be different and what works for them.
0: And you'll have to keep us posted and let me know when the book is out because so many people need to deal with that and know that you can get through it. And there's other people living with it. And again, if you haven't seen it, you, you just have these ideas and stories in your head. So mm-hmm. how can people learn more or connect with you? If someone listening is like, Oh my God, this I'm going to reach out to you.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I always am happy to hear from people. Um, if they are struggling, like I'm, it's always confidential. If anybody wants to even personal, like personal, uh, direct message me, I'm fine to chat with somebody. So, uh, right now I'm a success coach with a focus on mindset and manifestation, but my, my sobriety story is very intertwined in that. And so my website is lisakelly.life and my Instagram handle where I'm very active on Instagram is lisakelly.life. And, um, there are, you know, free downloads. There's a great guided visualization um, that I have on a link in my bio of Instagram, lots of freebies there to download. Um, and like I said, if if anybody is struggling, I also uh, volunteer with a company, what called She Walks Canada, which is um, an initiative for women wanting to get, or even if they're just sober, curious, maybe they just want to reduce the the amount that they're drinking. I facilitate meetings, um, that are free and you don't have to be Canadian and you you don't even have to be sober. But the reason it's called She Walks Canada is because there's a walking exercising component to it where we log our kilometers, to do a collective virtual walk across Canada. So while we're, you know, working on our sobriety, we're also walking
0: and logging kilometers on our own time. That's amazing. We will put those links in the show notes, lisakelly.life, that's the website and that's the name on Instagram. Yeah. Any final thoughts for people listening?
1: Um I really just hope that especially with the pandemic I know that um, you know there's been a lot of challenges for so many people, but I know that the uh, sales in alcohol, and I mean, in Canada, pot is legal here now. Uh, maybe it's legal in Colorado. Yeah, uh, but it's been through the roof, through the roof here. And I think more and more, especially because of lockdown and um, parents schooling their kids at home, it's just been so stressful. So I think there's more people, um dealing with uh maybe wondering hmm am i drinking more than i used to now since the pandemic started and so my only thing is if you're having those questions then you know talk to somebody about it don't keep it inside because it'll just yeah it'll just perpetuate and it'll, uh you don't want to go
0: there. <laughs> You don't, want, you don't want something worse to happen. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It, if you're thinking about it, it can't hurt. And we're not saying go check yourself into rehab, just yeah. connect with somebody and have a yeah. conversation. Exactly. Wonderful. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your time. Thank um, you. Lisa Kelly dot life, everyone. And until next time, always be ruthless. Thanks so much for listening today. Your support means everything to me, truly. If this podcast resonates with you, please do me a favor and join in the Ruthless Movement by making some noise and doing one of these four things. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Tell a friend so we can break stigmas even faster. Leave a review so people can see what you think of the show. And last, if you want to learn more about me and be a part of the Grief Hab community, please head on over to the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Thanks again for spending your time with us and see you next week.